Welcome to episode 74 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Chris Jensen, a PhD student and bookseller at The Bookshelf. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. So today... We had an interview with Anton Discofani. Can we talk about the fact that I kept my cool through the entire interview? You did. You were really good. (laughs) Even though I was reminiscing that three years ago, the summer before I managed the bookshelf Tallahassee, Mm -hmm. I read Yanalasi Writing Camp, Mm -hmm. and three years later... I own a bookstore. And, and this she's author coming that to you it. like is coming. It's so fun. <laughs> so we're releasing this episode on a Thursday. The author we are talking about, Anton, will be coming on Saturday. So, uh, I almost said September. June, uh, June 24th. That's it. And it is from 2 to 4. And we are so excited. Um, she will be signing copies of Yanalasi Writing Camp, which is her first book, which you must read if you haven't read it yet. Um, and her new book, The After Party. That's right. And it's Saturday, June 25th. I'm 25th. sorry. Uh, we've got another signing on June 24th. We do. Saturday, June 25th. Two, two to, to four. four Anton Discofani. Be there. It was a great interview. Um, she was delightful. We had some technical difficulties in the middle, which you will notice. Um, we're going to do our best to edit them out, but there's no way to completely salvage it. Yeah, you'll probably hear and a little. And so you're going to hear her cut out. And we're going to say, what's happening? And then it's going to come back in. <laughs> and everything's going to be great, and you're going to love it, and it's going to be super charming. And come hear her and see her in person Saturday, June 25th. It's going to be a delight. Hope to see you there. Yes. Hi, this is Annie with the bookshelf in Thomasville. Hi, how are you? Can you? Oh, I, 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 sorry, I wasn't expecting FaceTime. You can hear me. Is, should I hold it up to my ear, or should I? I don't think, I it, don't matters think it matters. We can hear you as long as you can hear us. Yes, yes. As, <laughs> I'm like an old person. I'm like, what is this? Uh, but <laughs> well, for, this is also new for us. We've done FaceTime, but not FaceTime audio. Okay. So, anyway, I was we, also alarmed because I, 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 I look like a hot mess. Like, <laughs> no, we cannot see you right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got that. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> um, Anton, I'm joined by um, Chris Jensen. Hello. Hello. Chris is a staffer at the bookshelf and a co-host for the podcast. Okay. Awesome. Um, so we thought we would just kind of dive right in today. Um, Great. I wanted to ask, I read Yanalasi when it came out three years ago, so I kind of wanted to start there, specifically because a lot of people, I feel like, who read that book talk about North Carolina and girlhood and the things that you wrote about in it, but what struck me as somebody who was born and raised in Florida was how you wrote about the real Florida, not like the Florida with palm trees and beaches everywhere. (laughs) Um, and so I kind of wanted to know, do you have a background? Or I think you're from Florida originally. Yes. How did you write about this Florida that I feel like very few writers capture well? Well, thank you. Um, so I, my family lives in um, northern central Florida. They live in Ocala, Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, I grew up there. And the, the home that is Thea's home in in Amathla, which is a, it's actually a real, it's, it's a real town in Florida, 
but I forgot that. I thought that I had made up the name. <laughs> and so people were like, that's not what a math looks like. And um, But I, I wanted, because it, it's based on what Ocala would have been like in the 1920s. And Ocala is obviously very different now. But the home that Thea grows up in is the is based on the home that I grew up in, which was built in the 1920s. Mm. So I, and, and I, that's that's not really related to Florida, but I, um, I'm, I think I, I do feel like when people think of Florida, they think of retirement communities and palm trees yeah. and alligators and right. and and Florida is so fascinating because it's so different. Yes. I mean, Southern Florida is a different world than Northern Florida. Amen. And, you know, <laughs> and so, and I, I personally find Northern Florida, Northern Central Florida, excluding Disney world, um, <laughs> more charming than Southern Florida and more beautiful. And, um, so I, I, and that's the Florida that I know and love. And so that's what I wanted to write about. I feel like you captured it really well. So I was born and raised in Tallahassee. Chris is, I a, was uh, born and raised in West Palm beach. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> we, no worries. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to insult <laughs> We frequently, though, I feel like Chris and I specifically have had this discussion uh-huh. about North Florida and South Florida. And then my husband is from Alabama. And oh, when he, from, I live in Alabama now. Oh, well, that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. Yeah, I that's feel a like. whole other discussion. <laughs> so my husband is from Birmingham and he came to visit me, you know, while we were in college and the first thing out of his mouth and he, I feel like Alabamians should know what North Florida looks like, but he was like, where are all the palm trees? Why? Where is the Gulf Coast breeze? And it was like, <laughs> well, we're in Tallahassee. Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me, <laughs> but, but this is different it, from what you were probably envisioning in your head. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> that, not well, does Not northern Florida. No, not not up north. So yeah. you moved then from Yonalasi, where it's kind of 1930s, North Carolina, Central Florida, and then the after party... What immediately struck me about that is the setting of Houston in 1960s Texas and um, big hair and big egos. And you move from these very distinct times and places into another distinct time and place. And I wanted to talk about why you're drawn maybe to really specific cultures and specific time periods as opposed to maybe current current events or contemporary. Yeah, yes. Well, so... Um the people often ask what's autobiographical in my mm. writing and uh, the people aren't, but the places are. Mm. So I only write about places that I know and it's, it's not, I, I don't have a rule or anything, but I don't, I can't seem to, um, I'm not inspired unless I am familiar with the place, unless I know the place. And in Yonalasi, I had a deep love for, and I still have a deep love for the mountains of North Carolina and then also for Northern Florida and um, my, my family has a cabin in North Carolina, so that's how I knew it. Uh-huh. And then with Houston, I spent a lot of my childhood vacations visiting relatives in Houston. And my family is from Texas, so I spent a lot of time, um, you know, driving, you know, all through Texas, the less glamorous parts and the more glamorous parts. I mean, mostly less glamorous parts. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I – so I um, – I was I was drawn to that place because to Texas because I knew it. So why I write historical fiction? I I don't know. <laughs> I think, and in some ways, I like I, I didn't set out to write historical fiction. I 
started Yanalasi and it just came to me that this was a girl in the 1920s. And I, I had her earlier in the 20s at first. And then I put it, I put the book later in the twenties because I wanted it to be, you know, just as the depression was beginning. And, um, I, he was really um, interested in that period of time where people still thought it was going to get better mm-hmm. or that the worst had already happened. And of course the reader knows that like it's going to get a lot worse before mm-hmm. it gets better. In in the after party, I said it in the in nineteen fifty seven, I didn't want to get too close to World War One. Yeah. Oh sorry, World War Two. I did not want to write about a war. I mean, I, that just seems like a ton of work, right. writing about a war. And <laughs> yeah. then I also, um, I needed to set it, I, I wanted, like, these women are, to modern eyes, they seem totally foreign. Mm-hmm. They are, especially Cece, she's, she's a wealthy housewife, she's totally satisfied staying home with children, and if I moved it up any, her life would be less and less believable. So in 1963, The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan comes Uh out, and then birth control becomes widely available. Basically, second-wave feminism Mm -hmm. starts. And I couldn't have her too close to that, Mm -hmm. or her her world would become less and less believable. So I... um, I think why I'm interested, I mean, I'm interested in, I, I'm actually not that interested in history. I mean, don't tell anybody except that I'm saying it on a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested in it in, in like a layperson's way. But what I'm more interested in as a novelist is um, how the the past puts pressure on characters. Mm-hmm. And you have this extra pressure um, when... Um, for modern readers are reading and they're understanding that these characters' world is going to come to an end and the characters themselves don't understand that. And that's something you don't have with fiction that's set now. And I'm also right. not... I, I don't want to write about cell phones and the internet <laughs> and, you know, like I just... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not interested in exploring... That. I mean, at least at this point, I'm not interested in exploring that in fiction. No, because I think that really changes stories. It I, does. It, it does. makes all these conveniences that take the drama out of things. Yeah, I was about to say it eliminates conflict. I mean, it creates other kinds of conflict, but I don't feel like the kind that you can easily write about or talk about. I don't know. So much takes place on the screen. That seems cool. Well, there's apparently a YouTube clip. Um, I heard this on on NPR. There's a YouTube clip of um, scenes from movies where the character in a tense situation says, I can't get any service, or my phone is dead, or there are no bars. <laughs> because there, like, if you think about like the great plots in, in books and movies, like if there were a cell phone, you know. Right, there'd be no problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No tension at all, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you are in Alabama. Um, what does your writing life look like? What are you doing right now? Not just what are you working on, but really how do you write? How does that process, what does that process look like for you? Well, I had a baby last right. March. And so he's like really interfered with that process. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I try to write in the mornings. I think my brain is less critical or there's less to do. I don't know. I, 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 I write better in the mornings. And um, I also teach during the year, mm-hmm. okay. and I'm actually a person who who gets more done the busier I am. Mm-hmm. So I um, my perfect my perfect day is to get up, um, have breakfast with my son and my husband, have a babysitter come over, and then retreat into my office for mm-hmm. a few hours, 
and then um, go teach. And then, you know, spend the after, spend the time after that doing, you know, playing with my son, whatever. But right. um, I, I kind of like a full day. Like if, if somebody said like, you, you just have to sit in this room and write and that's all you can do. Like I, I it wouldn't, I would not do well. That wouldn't work for you. <laughs> no. Um, you have also been on a book tour and I was looking at all the stops you've made and I'm kind of jealous because you've basically taken a literary tour of the South. Yeah. I feel like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so tell me about some of the stops and maybe the more memorable visits or some of the bookstores you've seen. Tell us kind of how the book tour has gone. Yeah. I mean, the book tour is, um, has, is gone well. It's, um, I mean, it's, I like, touring through the south because i drive more of that Mm -hmm. and so i I feel like i get to see more of the place because i mean there aren't as many airports in the places that i'm going like there's not an airport in oxford mississippi so so i i drive so we um for the alabama leg for instance we we drove from auburn to birmingham and then we drove from birmingham to oxford and it's really like entering another world yeah it's just it's so rural and and pretty and you don't see any i mean like we um misjudged uh an an exit and we were in the car with a screaming baby for like 20 minutes because there was no exit i mean it, it it just is so um remote yeah and so we went to oxford and i love oxford oxford is just a really cool town mm-hmm and um, we stopped by Faulkner's house and said hi. Aww. Last time we were there, I, I visited Faulkner's house as well. And then from um, Oxford, we drove to Jackson, where Eudora Welty lived. Mm-hmm. And we, we drove by her house again. So it's, it's just, it's, it's really cool to, um, to, to be in the South on tour. And to stop at writers' homes. Yeah, I feel like a lot, and we're we're so grateful when authors choose to come to Thomasville because Thomasville is off the beaten path. There is yeah. <laughs> there is there is no airport. There is no interstate. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Yeah, there is no interstate. Um, but I feel like if you're based in Auburn, you kind of understand that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I think sometimes we get a bad rap, but also because we're removed, I feel like it's like you said, a little bit otherworldly, like a little yes. bit Alice in the looking glass because yeah. we're kind of, yeah, kind of hidden or, and, and the South has so many, I don't know. The South just changes. We talk a lot about, um, accents on the podcast because yes. so many of our guests have Georgia accents or Alabama accents and uh, it just yes. changes. I think people forget that the South isn't just one big entity. There's all these different oh, pockets. totally. Um, and different cultures, all that, you know, even between, you mentioned from Auburn to Birmingham, I feel like those alone are two really different cultures. And we've talked about just, we've talked about just three Floridas this morning, um, at least three Floridas and just think how many each other state has. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's totally true. I mean, I, I feel like people, um, tend to think of the South as just like the South and Southern literature just as Southern literature. And there's so many, I mean, Florida literature is totally different than Georgia literature and, you know, North Carolina and like the North Carolina coast versus the North Carolina mountains. I mean, it's it's a, they're totally different worlds. And I was, uh, in fact, I was with a man from actually Jackson, Mississippi, probably two or three weeks ago. And he was asking me for book recommendations and he said, give me something Southern. And so I was naming all these books and he had not heard of them. And it's because they were like Florida coastal kind of oh, books yeah. and my regional Southern literature that I sell the most or that I'm most familiar with is going to be very different from what 
Jackson, Mississippi sells or is familiar with. And so that was just funny because he was kind of looking at me like, what is that? And then I was kind of saying, well, you've never heard of these. Like I, so it was just really kind of a funny experience to show. Yeah, that is, that's, that's hysterical. I mean, I I also, I think that people tend to be afraid of the South. People Mm -hmm. who haven't lived in the South or, well, like my husband, for instance, (laughs) we moved here from St. Louis and he is, he was born in rate or he wasn't born in Minnesota, but he was raised in Minnesota. And he had this idea of the South as, um, you know, this, this, this backwards place uh-huh. where, um, you know, there was rampant racism and, and, it, and then of course the Confederate um, flag right. didn't, didn't right. help. Right. <laughs> we, no. moved, like, <laughs> we moved right in the midst of that. But I, I, and I mean, he's seeing this now that he lives here. Um, I mean, the South is a really complicated place yeah. and it's, it's not to say that it's, you know, without its flaws, but right. you know, the rest of the country has its flaws too. Mm-hmm. And it's so um, fascinating and shocking to me, this idea that people have, especially of the rural South, um, as, as being scary or this, this, um, you know, world that you can't kind of step into, Mm -hmm. which, um, it's kind of, you know, shocking to me as somebody who was raised in the South and right. is, you know, I don't, I don't, there's, there's nothing more to be scared of in the rural South than there is in like rural New York or something like that. Oh, yeah. Right. So you you live in Auburn, and we are here in Thomasville. So how are you adjusting to, like, small-town life? Is that something that's familiar to you? Well, kind of. So Ocala um, is – I don't – Ocala is, is – I don't know, 70,000 people. I'm probably getting that totally wrong. It's probably like <laughs> 150 or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna fact so it's, not, it's not like a small town, but it's, you know, it's, it's not um, big. Right. I, I miss, I mean, I miss certain parts about living in a city. I mean, mainly shallow parts. Like I miss not being able to go to the mall and get my makeup, right? which is not like probably not a great part. You know, I should like miss the museum, the culture, but like I miss like a mall. Um, I, I really, I've never lived in a college town before and I really like living in a college town. It's like I fun, like how right? everything is like oriented around the university yeah. and when there's a football game, like everything stops. And I don't, I really don't care about football. My husband does. I mean, like, just so we can divide things, like, exactly down gender lines. Um, <laughs> but, like, I but I appreciate, like, all the pomp and circumstance that surrounds it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like, I mean, like, when, when we first moved here, um, we had, we bought the house of the former women's golf coach, and everybody knew, like, our house. <laughs> yeah, have, you, have you had a party on the back deck yet? Like, Kim and Peggy used to love to do that. And like, what? <laughs> like, so, um, it, so, but it's it's nice that everybody knows each other, and it's um, and I, I I really like this I like the small town with the university. Like, there's just a lot to do because it's a university. Like this afternoon, we're going to a raptor presentation at the library because oh, um, we have like the eagle that like yeah. war eagle for Auburn. Yeah, we have that eagle that flies around, so <laughs> I think he's gonna be there. We might have to leave early because like the, I don't know if the baby is good for the eagle. But. <laughs> That's exciting. My husband is an Auburn fan, so somewhere he will be listening to this. So jealous that you get to see the eagle up close. Um, yeah, it's it, a really strange tradition. They, isn't it? He flies around and everybody says war, and then he lands and they say eagle. Yes. And the way that he lands <laughs> is that they put 
like a mouse or a small rodent out and he you know lands and eats it but they like try to cut that out so you don't see it on the big screen but like you know what's happening right yeah very odd no it's super odd I've been now like I inherited it I mean I grew up in Tallahassee so my football traditions look different um but I have been I've been with Jordan to a couple of Auburn games and it's such a different experience and what you're describing too is so interesting because Auburn is a small town that has a university and I feel like Tallahassee it's a university, it's a university. That has a town around it. Yeah, because yeah. Florida State is a big part of Tallahassee, but there's also state government there. Yes. And FAMU, yes. like there's other universities. So it doesn't feel as college town right. as I think Auburn mm-hmm. probably does or Tuscaloosa does. Um, yes. And so, yes. but you mentioned the university helping, you know, have lots of fun things to do. And I think Thomasville benefits from being near Tallahassee because between the two towns you get kind of a wide variety of cultural events and you know it's not yeah. something like New York City might have but you do get you do get a pretty wide range of yeah and it's a little cheaper to live yeah way York cheaper City. perks a little <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I I and um yeah I, I feel like that's it's it's not like Auburn Auburn without the university, I don't know what it would look like, but with the university, there's a lot to do. Right. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And there's all sorts of like cool towns nearby that we would like, like we'd like to go to Monroeville. Yeah. Or, you know, and Selma. And um, mm-hmm. then we've been to Birmingham a couple of times, but which is not a small town, but we'd like to, you know, like explore the little, the little towns around us. Absolutely. You're beautiful. Yes. Well, Anton, thank you for being with us. We have some questions that we, that we like to ask all of our guests. Um, and this one, I feel like you've really kind of answered it in your last couple of questions, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's your favorite part about living in the South? You know, I, my favorite part, I, I don't think I've, I have a new answer. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of living in the South is that people are friendly. Mm-hmm. Like I, um, I love going to Publix because yes. <laughs> shopping is a pleasure, but they're just really so is. like, I, um, I tell the story to illustrate how much I, I love the friendly, friendliness of people. I had two huge things of Diet Coke underneath my cart, and I had my baby with me, and I was roll, I was pushing everything outside, and for some reason I didn't um, let them take my um, cart to the car, which <laughs> is a service they provide, but right. I, um, I did it myself. And one of the Diet Coke cans or um, cases um, somehow spun off the bottom of the cart and exploded. And I thought, like, what do I do? Do I, I mean, like, how am I going to fix this? (laughs) Do I just leave it? Am I like that bad person who, and then I was also like, and then I won't have my Diet Coke for the week. (laughs) So I, um, I, I was like figuring out what to do. And like a vision, this young man appeared. He was either a high school or college student. um, Said, ma'am, ma'am, are you all right? And then he ran inside and got a new case of Diet Coke and brought it out and packed everything into my car. And I feel like that wouldn't happen in St. Louis. And it was, um, I feel like people feel personally accountable to each other in the South in a way that I like. And I think it, um, you know, perhaps is because it is a small, a smallish town and chances are I know somebody who knows his parents or something like that. But, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's nice. I like it. That's a great answer. Um, so we're on a podcast. I know you have, you've done a story for this American life before, but what podcasts do you listen to? 
oh my gosh, I, none. <laughs> I, 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 I like I um, was getting into podcasts late, and then um, the baby was born, mm-hmm. and I have like done. I mean, I like Radio Lab. Sure. I know that's really lame, and no, no, I'm no, sure like everybody one. says that it's. Um, but it's, I feel like it's like you like what TV shows do you like? Like Game of Thrones. Like it's a very obvious <laughs> one to like, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I have no more. I'm sorry, I have no, no more. No, no, that's fine. No, that's what. That's fine. That's a, that's an answer. Um, okay. Good. So so we'll move back to books. Um, what is a classic that you have never read but wish you had? Oh goodness! Everyone takes a minute to think. I was about gonna that say one. everyone kind of struggles yeah. with this one or takes a beat. Yeah. Yeah. Let me. I'd like to read the Golden Bull by okay. Henry James. Yeah. yeah. But. It's supposed to be like his most difficult book. Yeah. And so I don't know that I ever will. <laughs> aspirational. Like, yeah. Aspirational. I mean, I'd like to read it, but I, I feel like my time for reading really difficult books, really difficult, like non contemporary books, uh-huh. um, you know, pa- like that was in college when I was sure. in a class where somebody could guide me through it. So that's so true. Yeah. yeah. I think. Well, and I guess yeah. tangential to that, what. What kind of things are you teaching right now? I teach um, the short short, which uh-huh. is f- f- sudden fiction forms under 1,500 words. Excellent. So we start with sudden fiction, then we move to flash, which is 500 to 750, mm-hmm. then micro fiction, which is 25 to 150 words. So we get like <laughs> smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, that's so fun. And yeah, and, and it's not something like I'm, I'm, you know, I write novels, like I'm not um, like naturally drawn to writing short forms i'm drawn to reading them like i love reading poetry Mm -hmm. um so it that's an interesting class to teach and then i also teach historical fiction so anything Uh. set before the author's birth which is getting like younger and younger like i feel (laughs) like (laughs) like it's like shot they're like i'm like you know What's historical fiction for you? And they're like 1999. Oh my gosh! It's scary. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Um, So that's interesting because I I write historical fiction. Mm -hmm. So I I spend a lot of um, a lot of that class talking about how little you need to know about history to write historical (laughs) fiction. Just basic research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's 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 all scaffolding. Well, and I feel like for me anyway, I've had this um, discussion on the podcast many times because I always say I don't really like historical fiction. But I think what I mean by that is I don't like books that revolve around an event from history. But yeah. like, I'm not sure I would naturally say, "Oh yeah, the after party is historical fiction." I think I would just say, "It's I know, a really yeah. good story, but it's set in 1957 Texas." You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Totally. I mean, I I I think I definitely fall on the end of the spectrum of, of historical fiction that is, um, like 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 it uses history as a backdrop. Yeah, I think that, and and that I yeah. kind of love. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's it's it's what I like reading too, and it's it's I think it's easier to write. Than, I, mean, I, <laughs> sure. I feel like I'm I'm writing about contemporary people. They just happen to be happen yeah, to exactly. 1957. And you know, yeah. like because people are people, and they're shaped by exactly. their time and their place, right? But they don't fundamentally change. <clears throat> no, no, exactly. Um, okay, and then one last question: What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading La Rose by Louise um, Erdrich. Oh, are you liking it? 
Uh, yes, I love it. I am almost finished with it. It's like a like every night. Like, do I want to sleep or do I want to read more of Rose? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I really, I love Louise Erdrich. Um, I think she is, you know, one of our best living writers. Yeah. Oh, that's that one's on my list. And in fact, um, I'm reading Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. I'm reading it as an ARC. And, oh, cool. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but she stuck a little thing in there, which this is why I guess everybody loves her so much, because she's stuck in her favorite book she's reading right now, oh. and one of them is La Rose. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's that's... loving that book, too, so you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Louise Erdrich, actually, she has a bookstore oh, in, yeah. um, in the Twin Cities that we, my husband lives outside of, or his family lives outside of the Twin Cities that we visit. So that she's a cool, she's another writer with a bookstore. Like, oh, that's great. Well, Anton, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We so appreciate you talking to us this morning. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. We'll see you you Saturday. (laughs) Yes, I'll see you very soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can catch full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes or on the Bookshelf website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. And you should also be following us on social media at Bookshelf T-Film. We post a bunch of cool Instagrams and have some funny tweets sometimes, so check us out. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.